And welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 155. I'm your host, M. With me is my regular host, Jackson. Hello. Can you believe it? 155 years of excellence. That's a lot of podcasts. It's 11 years. <laughs> it's not quite 11 years yet. We got We're in the months. 11th year. We are in the 11th year. That is true. Which is... That's a lot of podcasts. We've been doing this a long time. Gaming. I remember in like 2015... 15 2016 i don't remember exactly when but one of our friends said you've been around forever and we were both in sounds like we just started yeah now we have actually been around forever 
we we've just started. <laughs> I don't I don't we actually believe that when I say it now. <laughs> but I do feel like we we've it's only like been like 180 games, let's say, being generous. Um not even that. If it's 155, we haven't had that many multiple. No, no, no. Episodes, but like, we? you know, there's grab bags and there's the time we did five Tomb Raiders in a single episode. And um do you count the let's plays? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, we've been gaming though. We've been fucking gaming. Um yeah so what have you been playing well i've been playing every final fantasy ever released <laughs> yes for, for uh, the last but, 10 years the last 10 years but especially in the last month um because we finished 15 and i immediately went to 13 then i got sick for two weeks uh and i finished 13 played 13 too we'll be playing lightning returns very soon there will be a podcast about that without m because m's you know uh our final fantasy 7 part one abnormal mapping 16 is october 17th 2014 so it will almost be a decade of final fantasy this year or it will be a decade this year yeah uh and i'm now i can now see the end i'm like i can clear it all off uh play type zero in there because i was just going through the fabulous games um please look forward to like not gonna say much now because like i said there'll be an actual podcast about that later uh probably next month i haven't actually scheduled that stuff but give me now, give me your one sentence take on the following video games okay you ask the questions i'll answer them uh no i just want one sentence take on final okay. fantasy 13 pretty good one sentence take <laughs> on final fantasy type zero it's fucking weird one sentence take on light or not not light it's final fantasy 13 2 uh, best sequel since ten two. How do you feel <laughs> the only sequel since ten two? Dumbass. That's not true. That's not true. Um, I'm including all the compilation stuff. I guess it is a kind of backhanded kind of compliment because they made a lot of spinoffs of seven and they're all sucked. But it's fucking good. It's fucking good. Was what I meant. It's a fucking classic game. What how do you a, feel a, about snow? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> God, uh, he sucks. Do you know Snow's last name? Villiers. <laughs> um how do you feel about older hope incredible one of the best characters in final fantasy <laughs> i love that evil fucking guy uh man 13 is so fucking good. please look forward to the episode where i talk about 32 a lot because uh, i love it adore adore that game incredible game which of uh the class or type zero class did you like the most uh ace okay the the, the only one who yeah. really got a character beyond okay. some quirks fair enough um Type Zero is a weird game. Yeah. I assume that'll come up. It's not necessarily the focus of the podcast, but I'm sure it'll come up. Fabla Never Crystallis discussion. Um, and then I also started playing 14 the other this week. Oh, yeah. I don't have any questions. 25 about hours that. into 14. Um, uh, I, I, because I. Oh, I know. Like, the one thing I do want to impress on the audience, you were going to say it, but I'm going to drag you for it before you can say it like it's a normal thing to do. You watched all of the cutscenes for 1.0. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't what I was about to say. But I did watch. I watched all the cutscenes of 1.0, and now I'm playing 2.0, and I'm gonna be slowly over the course of the year crossing that game off my list. Finally, um, after many years. Um, uh, I don't want to talk about 14 on this podcast, like basically at all. Uh, for the record, <laughs> just because I'm still in it, and I'm 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 gonna be finished in like 10 years, right? Like I'm going slow. I play like a couple quests every three months. Um, and you're poop socking it, but the the the, the <laughs> the goofus and gallant versions of playing Final Fantasy XIV um, is so my character uh, is uh, named Irascible uh, Doublet uh, Ira Dublé uh, to her friends, um, and I'm a red mage, 
And I love that game when I get to run around in my I paid premium money for the fucking athleisure fashion. And so I'm running around seven feet tall because I'm a female uh, Rogaden and I'm just help. I love it when Alphanod is doing the most evil shit in the world, setting up his little CIA. And I get to help him do that by be, like cracking some skulls as a game about being evil and laughing at how evil everyone is. Um, whereas you are like, I am the cutscene man. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing multiple <laughs> classes. <laughs> I am cutscene man. I'm, I was like, what guy should I make? And then I just thought that like, I am a, generally speaking, when I come to make an RPG, I will like go- spend years Googling, uh, what's my can, what's the canon name for this guy. Right. Uh, and when there's no canon name, I feel betrayed. Uh, so in Dragon Quest, I just like, you know, I'll just put in Jackson and we're like, off, off the races. So I just made a cutscene guy, uh, generic guy. My, I am Jackson in the video game. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, many people have roasted me for this already because uh, it is a kind of cringe thing to do. Uh, but I didn't have a name. I didn't, I don't know what to do. So I'm my self-insert character going around uh, this video game. Um, I'm having a good time so far. I like MMO craft more than you is the difference. Yes. yes. Uh, but you also like, are like complaining about the things that I found kind of stupid and funny. Like, I'm I'm okay being a like having a good time hating on the video game and you're like the video game sometimes is worth more derision than that and I'm like yeah I just can't muster it. <laughs> uh I'm halfway through Ram Reborn and so far the story has been various flavors of the scions going up to a poor person who's done something evil and being like you shouldn't have betrayed uh the future like this yes. and me going but like they did it for material reasons because there wasn't any money. Are you going to give them money? Are you going to set up like no? Okay, you just you're just going to generically say don't give up on hope. Listen to us, the CIA saving everyone. Later, they're uh, going like, to okay. probably ask half of them to join the CIA. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still early. The scions are just kind of yeah. like some guys rocking out of a room right now. Yeah, there's a little like, bit. Alpha Nod's like, oh, go and talk to all the people you did in the main. Qu- like you helped. In the it's main Alpha quest. No, by the way. Alpha you, Nod. Alpha Nod. Uh, alpha No. Alpha, alpha no, Nod. Because everyone's incredibly French in this game. Alpha Nod. Alpha No. Alpha Nod. Okay. Uh, the important thing is that we have decided that Alpha No Hope and uh, Chadley should hang out. Oh fuck! It'd be the worst g- group of guys you've ever seen. They're just miserable. Like they're the most evil guys. Chadley's like not even evil, but like he has the Chadley's potential. somehow the least evil one. <laughs> and the he's an evil shiver robot, robot boy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they should hang out though. Yeah. But- I don't know, I'm I'm having I I'm having a good time. I'm not gonna. I tweeted about it briefly. I made and immediately got a bunch of fourteen people being like, "Are you gonna like it? Are you gonna like it?" I I don't know. I I don't know. I get very nervous. I don't actually want to make people upset. I, I'm enjoying the video game. I think the story's kind of dumb so far. But I know that's like the that's the normal take to have about Realm Reborn. That's like not even a controversial thing to say. Uh, just little anxious situation. So I'm probably not gonna be that public about it. Which means. Well, I was going to say this uh, on Twitter, I will not, but I will say it here, which is that I'm on um, the Zodiac server in the EU. Uh, so if anyone's listening wants to hang out and play the video game with me, you can. All my friends are playing on the American server, so well, they yeah, can't the, play with my a, fucking friends! There's the abnormal mapping uh, FC that's like on an American server. That's where I am. Uh, I, yeah, don't know what, I don't even remember what server it's on. Uh, that's I don't run it. I don't interact with it, but I am there. You- <laughs> Yeah, you just load up the game and then you're in, you just play. Yes. Uh, but I'm on Zodiac in the EU. Um, I'm having a fine time. Uh, the the actual thing is like, I'm, I, this is my f- first real experience of not like having either Twitter or a forum or a Discord that I'm like familiar with being my window into the internet. What I'm saying is I've never seen this many XDs since uh, 2006. Oh, uh, if like, you want like- I, lo- I looked, I went to our Discord and looked at the Final Fantasy 14 channel. We are on, uh, the Abnormal Mapping FC is in uh, Curl, which is on Crystal, so. Yes, yes. So 
Oh, I assume people will listen and be like, I won't be joining you, Jackson, but I will be joining the FC instead. Yeah. If, you're, if you happen to be on Zodiac or just on Light in general uh, and you want to play some video games with me, that'd be, that'd be good because I'm... I don't want to play with I, anybody. Don't even ask. Yeah, not you. <laughs> I am soloing um, Final Fantasy XIV a little bit at a time and I've been doing that for years and I will continue to do it for years. Uh, You'll be yes, done I'm, and I'll be like, oh, I'm starting Heavensward finally. <laughs> Uh, I'm absolutely going to overtake you before the end of the 2.55 patches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm fairly sure. Uh, I, am my near the end of, I am near the end of the patches after a Realm Reborn. I'm getting there. I have like 10 more quests. Uh, I'm, in, I'm currently at the level 24 quests. Okay. Uh, I'm looking for Shah. Okay. Uh, La, La, La Brea, whatever. Um, and we'll see what's up with him and uh, where he's going. Um, but my... Goal is to get to the end of uh, not the patches, but the Realm Reborn main quest, just the launch stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, then I will move over to playing Lightning Returns because that's my uh, actual do. deadline yeah. game. I actually, I, I like the way that a Realm Reborn uh, like wraps up. Like, not like the story. I just like fighting a bunch of Toku guys. I think it's pretty good about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see how I feel about that. I'm, I'm quite. A, I'm having a good time. I like. I'm enjoying the video game. Uh, and worth pointing out i did that immediately after we finished final fantasy 16 uh last year and i was like man there's just a better game in every single way 14 is a much the, better the, game than 16 the real thing is that every time i do a task like i go and do the palace of the dead or i go and play some triple triad or i do some fishing and i go why was none of this in 16 16 was just combat and talking to guys and walking yeah. there was nothing else I didn't have any little like side questy stuff i'm here for the side questy stuff i like rpgs i like to do rpg things uh it did make me like man it's so much better than 16 it's just like immediately even in the realm reborn stuff which everyone says is bad and i understand why because the story's kind of bad uh clearly the the better game over there in cbu3 but yeah that's me i've uh I, oh i also played goldeneye i guess but i'll be mentioning that in um in the episode this is the james bond episode we did everything or nothing that's what the episode's about yes but i you told me to go back and play Goldeneye, and I played a few levels of Goldeneye. I didn't quite finish it, but I played like four levels. Uh, and Goldeneye, fucking great. You That's should, a you great game. Goldeneye. I played about half of Goldeneye, because I remember a lot of Goldeneye. Uh, it's just good. I just like to go around an environment and learn it. Yeah. Um, and I was playing on the um, Xbox version. That's what I played, so I ha- yes. So I had dual analog sticks. Yes. Uh, which I assume is a big change. Like it, it did feel natural. Yes. Um, so I can't say how much like that is changing my interpretation, but it it did make me feel kind of embarrassed at the like truisms I heard for a decade of like, oh, God, no, it was like good, but it was like outdated really quickly. And you don't want to go back to that after Halo. Because uh, I was playing it like, this is immediately just great. It just stands up as being classic immediately. Yeah. Uh, exploring the dam is great blowing up some little science labs is great like just the little mini worlds it just feels like you know they put doom on a console you know it's not (laughs) exactly doom but it's when first person shooters were about you have not not quite like a labyrinth right but it is a space that you understand the enemies are simply a part of that space because it's mostly about understanding the way through um i think contextualizing that through little james bondy interactions like putting a little device on a on a tank right and blowing it up and yeah. uh, sneaking around these things is a really good way to do that it's just such a smart game i was like damn shocked at how good it is yeah turns out the classic everyone likes is good <laughs> um yeah uh is that everything that is everything. Okay. Um, 
what have I got? So I've uh, gone back, fallen into a bit of an Isaac hole, Binding of Isaac, you know, one of the best games ever made, IMO. Um, Cause uh, last episode you told me about the fucking uh, mod I could get on the Steam Workshop. I don't even have to like install it, it's like sideload into my Steam Deck. I could just hit subscribe. That puts all the item descriptions in the video game. It changed my life. After hundreds of hours of Binding of Isaac, I no longer have to nurse my phone while I play, and it's incredible. Yeah, they just put all the information that you need in Isaac on the screen in Isaac. It's made the game. Um, in some ways, like weirdly, like easy sometimes, because um, sometimes because you I, I always had the thing where it's like some rooms I'd go into and I wouldn't know what a thing did. And I didn't want to go and like hunt on, in the wiki for it forever. So I just pick it up, be like, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Um, and now I'd never have to do that again. Um, so it's very easy to like just know not to get things that I think are going to like not suit my build. Um because uh, I, you know, my, my patience is low. I'm an impatient person. Um, and so it's great. Um, I've been playing a lot of it, uh, you know, not like every day, but I've been doing a lot of runs comparatively to like the last five years before this. It's great. Highly recommend I am, it on the Steam Deck. I imagine that's a great Steam Deck game. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, it's even nice, like, because the Steam Deck is the way it is, like, because I played a lot of that on, like, the, um, I played it on, like, the vita a pc is right like i start on pc but like there's a lot more uh your tears turn analog upgrades than there used to be so having a th device with like a stick right next to it is nice and not mm -hmm. the vita sticks because the vita sticks aren't great i'm gonna play isaac using the touchpads on the steam deck um i did not set it up that way but you could it's not set up that, that way by default works. i bet that actually works pretty well if you put a yeah. thing over it um Hey, where's the Steam Controller 2? It's time. People are ready it's, for it now. People are ready for it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, other than that, I played uh, Star Ocean, the second story R. It's RPG time here at the Square Enix podcast. <laughs> yeah, the Gem Drops developed uh, remake of Star Ocean, the second story, which is a game that I played on the PlayStation when it first came out and adored it. I replayed it on the PSP when that came out. I didn't like that version very much. Um, I was excited for this because everyone seemed really high on it. And I picked it up and just kind of blew through it. I actually picked up a different game in like the Steam sale and it ran weird on the Steam Deck. I was having weird glitches. So I refunded that and bought this instead. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, then just like plowed through it in like a week because th that game takes like 20 something hours to finish. Uh, uh, the It seems like the video game equivalent of watching a video at two times speed. How like much they cleaned up that game. Yeah. Um, Star Ocean Second Story is very good. Uh, it, that is a game that in the in the 90s, when I had not seen a lot of anime, I was like, man, this thing is like profound and I'm really invested in the story and the characters and it feels like a game that goes forever. Uh, it was advertised as having like 80 plus endings and I was like, oh, I've never even heard of Final Fantasy's only got one ending. <laughs> How fucked up is this? Um, and none of that is like really why it is good now. Um, it's mostly a game about weird item creation systems interacting with the battle system in fun ways. And uh, all of your anime characters have like their one personality trait and the way they bounce off each other in the private actions is really good. Um, we played Star Ocean for uh, the original, the Super Famicom version for an abnormal mapping a couple years ago at this point. And that game is bad. And I, I'm glad to realize that Second Story is just a miracle sequel that's better in every single way. <laughs> Still. Yeah. And when we say Star Ocean, I mean, you listen to the episode. It's not like terrible it's yeah. just kind of mid and it's, not yeah, it's just very forgettable yeah 
uh, like some really nice, impressive late SNES uh, graphics, but it would not describe Star Ocean as a particularly special game. Um, no, but I know you've always loved Star Ocean too, so I'm nice to see that wasn't just like happened to be a game I played. You played yeah. when you were young. Yeah, it uh, still holds up. Yeah, I think I think it's really fun. Uh, and like I said, it's really short. Um, the other game I then went and finally got back into after I'd put like ten hours into it earlier was Octopath Traveler Two, playing all the <laughs> RPGs of last year. Um, and Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler 2 is not short and is not good. <laughs> I'm a hater. Wow. 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 Uh, I know. Uh, one day I will, in about five years, I'll come and I'll be like, I played Octopath Traveler 2 and I really like it. I'll be addressing your points one by one and you'll be, I don't remember. <laughs> that's true. That's what's uh, going to happen. The thing with Octopath Traveler 2 is I think the conceit of Octopath Traveler of playing eight mini RPG campaigns that are kind of their own stories. Uh, like in, you do them in whatever order you want um, as you build a party. And then after that, there's like a, a short mini chapter, like doing a live alive, but uh, much more like focused on the early chapters and not the put come together thing. Um, I think it really robs an RPG of the thing I like, which is a party interacting with like melodrama between the party. Cause all the stories are so self-contained and there's a lot of like text in the world. Like there's, multiple characters can like analyze what like NPCs in the town or like what their pasts are and like what their mindset is through all of their abilities they can use on the field. Um, and there's a lot of writing and care that put into that to be like funny and interesting and like build the world. But the, the characters don't interact for the first 40 hours of the video game. Uh, like my party just don't know each other. And then at the very end, after you've cleared everyone's story, suddenly there's like a scene where like everyone's around a campfire and they're talking and joking with each other. Like they've all gone on the same adventure together. And I was like, Every other RPG would give me this immediately. Why did I have to wait? I, I, I it's good, but I'm mad that I had to wait for the thing. Because uh, I just don't think anything is gained by these are all chapters you can do in any. Yeah, um, I think the nonlinearity is not worth sacrificing the the moment to moment character interaction stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so that part's really frustrating to me. Also, it has the problem where like. The stories are really like densely written. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna use Particio. He's like the merchant character. Uh, he he grows. He's like grows up in an old west like silver mining town, and his like. I don't think it's his actual dad. I think it's the guy who raised him, whatever is working with like a investor to help get the silver mines. But he, he signs over basically like the deeds, to the town. And then that guy turns out to be evil and like takes the deeds and like runs away to the mine. Um, and Patricia is like, that's not how com commerce is supposed to help people. I need to go around the world and show people that like, I, I'm going to defeat poverty by doing capitalism good. And you go around and you like invent a uh, like a department store and you, you know, you you invest in inventions and you do all this stuff. And you're like the patron of some like downtrodden artists and stuff like that. And at the end, you, you this guy who's like investing in the world's first steam engine and you, you buy the deed to the steam engine and you defeat him. And uh, you're like, I'm going to give the steam engine to everyone. And he's going to use it. He was going to use it to like destroy the world. And then you. You, you you go to this guy and you're like, now that he's like bankrupt, I bought his invention and like destroyed his factory or whatever. I, he's down on his luck. So I'm going to help him and hire him to help survey the new train lines that are running through all the downtrodden towns. Um, and it ends on this note of like, Particio is doing the good capitalism by bringing the fucking railroads to every small town around the fantasy map. Um, but good this time, not like the evil guy who is doing it, but without like the care of the little people. And I'm like, you can't identify real world material conditions like capitalism, exploitation, uh, patents and trademarks and the, the way that the fucking railroads destroyed America, um, because it's always, it's coached specifically in like an American West context. Um, 
and then be like the power of friendship and the guy who does it good uh, is is the thing that's like good. It's just wholly good. We're no, no critiques about any of this. Um, and this is Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. And there's so Stop many of these stories. <laughs> there's so many of these stories in, in, the, in the game. There's like a couple character stories that I think are really good that are usually the sadder, more ambiguous ones. My favorite character is Temenos, who is um, an inquisitor for the church, um, whose job is just to like go around and Columbo crimes um, with his like, he's got like a knight who kind of follows him around. who's like kind of his boyfriend. Um, and uh, he he's just like a guy who's like, my job is to doubt the undoubtable, which means I have a very off like standoffish relationship with the church who hired me to do this job because my job is to not have faith in anything. Um, and he's great. I love it. Um, That's great. I'd like a whole RPG about that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then other ones are like, like Particio where it just spends so long being very like grounded about like the realistic fantasy material conditions are real. People live in poverty. There's violence or state violence. Uh, and yet the solutions are usually anime bullshit. And I think it like really robs the anime bullshit, which I normally like, like Star Wars 2 has got tons of anime bullshit, but it's not talking about how capitalism keeps people down through generations and causes violence to like bubble up as a response to that. Um, it's just anime shit. Uh, you can't have the both. <laughs> yeah, this is the Pokemon thing, which is like the second Pokemon starts talking about like, oh, these are slaves. I'm going to stop it. Please talk about how I don't have confidence and I need my friends. So if we yes. can go back to that, I'm, I'm fine. It's not the like form. I don't, dislike shallow anime stories when i like the characters right yeah it is a form i'm very much into it's just when it's like trying to tackle these like material themes that isn't actually interested like it's not actually going to make a fucking you know realist movie over here we're not doing ken loach's fucking octopath yes. traveler yes <laughs> um which is fine i wasn't asking for that yeah uh but that means i do go why make the the chapter about the uh you know the, the how the trains have changed the mind yeah um and so I just wish the script was like less invested in like building out the world because it makes the storytelling worse uh, overall. And the rest of the game is like, it's very slick. It's very beautiful. It is a very like, there's just like a polish to the video game that you just like, oh, you know, I, I'm out there playing like East eight, right? Like I enjoyed East eight. East eight is a game with like zero polish. <laughs> um, That's a Falcon promise. Yeah. Um, and so I get why people like really fall for this. It's very slick, but, um, and there's a lot of systems if you like that sort of thing, but I, do, I, do. I really you know, need the right melodrama here. to hit and it doesn't here. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I would like, I assume I will play that. I will probably have similar narrative problems for you, but I would get way more into the RPG sicko systems. Yes. Um, I assume the, uh, like eight different stories makes way more sense when you're like, I want to do a different playthrough, but I'm gonna take these characters at these levels and mix them up like this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just get the sense like it that's for like those kind of RPG nerds. Um, I just feel I don't I don't know if that's true. I do think like the mix and match party like towards the end is like when the game is it's the most interesting mechanically. It takes a long mm -hmm. time to get there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um well. but yeah, I, I was I was pretty down on it. I know that it's like a lot of these uh, there are many things that are fixed from Octopath Traveler 1, and I understand that. Like, I looked at what people's complaints were and what they changed, and I understand Octopath Tra Traveler 2 is a better game. Just not to my taste at all. I will not be playing Octopath 3 if they make one. Um, I know better. I got other things to spend my time on. They should have this team make a little game called Final Fantasy XVII. Um, yeah. I I would like it to be a linear video. If they made it like that, but every if they made it if they made it like that, but it was eight eight characters, that'd be really funny. I won't do that. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to do this. This is just the thing I keep saying because yeah. it's taking them so long to make the big games. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Other than that, I played 007 Nightfire. Maybe you've heard of it. That's true. Because I was like, 
you're gonna need some context for the thing that everything or nothing is like changing from yes you were like you should play that because um it's not as good you'll see why people really like this one and end up liking nightfire more we'll talk about when we get into the main game people like both of them to yeah. be clear people like both of them but it is the 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 decades of video games between nightfire and everything or nothing even though they're like a year apart yeah it's crazy the old world died the new world was born um you also said just play the first couple of missions and i ended up playing the entire thing because i just thought it was like slick and easy i uh <laughs> it isn't germane to the skill what we're going to talk about when we talk about it so i'll say uh, playing that game i was like compared to everything or nothing this game has like lego game pacing every level is incredibly short and everything just feels like a kind of like cliff notes version of uh, a real shooter level um have most of the vehicle sections are like fucking turret sequences it's ridiculous um i enjoyed it quite a bit uh yeah snowmobiles yeah you go to space you do go to space uh it's real dumb <laughs> they, they don't have dumb. any of the actual voice actors i uh, like the characters from james bond which is very weird going backwards because i know everything and nothing's big selling point is we have pierce brosnan tell you that's not a selling point the way you think it is um but hearing the fake man uh do his uh, nondescript off-brand british accent over the face of pierce brosnan was so fucking funny <laughs> <laughs> it is weird because they have pierce on the face you know his face on the cover yeah but uh, that is not pierce brosnan when he speaks no um but we'll probably talk um, more about the way in which it is different when we talk about everything or nothing um, yeah do we have anything else before just getting into the game club no i think that's it we uh we, we played our games so doing two rpgs really ate up my entire month <laughs> yeah uh you are done with rpgs i will continue to be oh, i'm fucking RPG. burnt out i mean we're doing when like everyone knows in march we're doing final Fantasy 7 rebirth but right now between there here and there i'm fucking done <laughs> I'm not so the, the annoying thing about the 14th thing was my plan was I would just do it after rebirth because I you know I already have I'm already playing all the fucking Final Fantasies right now now I'm playing another one what are you talking about but I I wanted the XP boost on the server I was going to go to uh so I I got that and it was taken off like on the last patch I was correct to do so uh correct it, correct for this very stupid plan that I've already been roasted for correctly by my friends also um and now I'm now this is in the mix as well so yeah, we'll see how long all this takes.
007 Everything or Nothing is a video game developed by EA Redwood Shores that came out in February 2004 for the GameCube, the PlayStation 2, and the Xbox. We played this on the GameCube, officer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we played the GameCube version on Dolphin. Yep. Uh, generally, the best way to play it these days if you don't have real hardware. Yeah. Because um, this one is not a game that uh, lived on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I when I played Nightfire, I just didn't even think about it and played it on GameCube. That has a PC version. It's like very. Di- it's like a different developer. Different game, and it has, yeah, it has no. It has no vehicle section. So I was like, what the hell? Uh, it's like uh, Spider-Man Two or uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfare. Fighter. Mm. Uh, also, mid two thousands PC games that were just different for no reason yeah. and sucked. Um, Double Seven Everything or Nothing is a third person uh, action adventure video game. Uh, it's a shooter. It's a cover shooter um, in which you star as James Bond. They have famously uh, the cast of James Bond at that point, which is uh, uh, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Uh, they got John Cleese's Q, Judy Dench's M, uh, Richard Keel is there as Jaws, famous James Bond villain. Um, other famous actors involved include uh, <laughs> fucking Willem Dafoe. Uh, where's why is the cast? Not, the rest of the cast is not listed on this thing. I need to go on to IMDb. Everything or nothing. The Wikipedia page has let us down. Yeah, I know. It sucks. I just want to get everybody's names correct. So uh, we've got Heidi Klum as Katya Nadanova. We've got Shannon Elizabeth as, as Serena St. Germain. We've got Misaki Ito as Miss Nagai. And we've got Mia as Mia Starling. And also she does the main song. Um, is it Maya? I don't actually remember. Um, I uh, Does the main so- theme of the... Uh, movie which is the most 2003 collection of actresses you could possibly get because like uh misaki ito is having a moment because she was in jew on the grudge uh that's why she's in this um i don't know why they were like we need q to have a sexy japanese assistant <laughs> yes <laughs> but they did do that um and then heidi klum and shan elizabeth trade off on being uh the the bond girls for the rest of it and neither of them seem excited to be here but neither of them are putting in such a lousy performance as pierce brosnan who is asleep except for the line where he has to say bond james bond where he wakes up to say that one bit and then goes oh back i know to how bed. to do that one um this game came out about a day before he was fired. Yes, this this is uh, meant to be like, oh, we're carrying on the story of Tomorrow Never Dies because that already that came out like right after, right same time as this, right? No, this is after Dying of Day. You're getting, oh, sorry, sorry, Dying of Dying of Day, not Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, and then um, he was done, <laughs> but he he did not make this knowing he was done, right? No, but he found out he was done, like presumably right before this game came out. Because I know, like, when he heard about the Craig thing, he was like, "What, really? Like, they just, they just got rid of me all that quickly? Damn!" Because um, he did not did not go down well. The Rosen replacement. Oh, okay. Uh, I did not know that. Uh, he he was, it was it was not a <laughs> famously not a great time for Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> uh, well, he went on to be in Mamma Mia, so he did all right. Uh, feel like they should have maybe had a little bit more of a plan considering he was like 50 and died another day. Oh, <laughs> you know, they never they never do is the thing that you realize about James Bond is that it truly they never had a plan. They never once have had a plan. 
No. I mean, Daniel Craig's been like, oh, you're old and washed longer than he was the young and hot one. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, yeah. he just flipped. They <laughs> were like, oh, it's the young and hot James Bond. And then three movies in, he's like, oh, you're the old and washed James Bond. And then they kept making those movies for 12 years because they couldn't do anything else. And I only made three also. Ridiculous. The Broccoli's are ridiculous. Uh, but yes, this was a... Uh, they, got, they got Brosnan. Uh, it is absolutely written in the Die Another Day mold of it is stupid as fuck. Uh, is oh, deeply yes. Would in you like, like to cliches. briefly explain the story of Everything or Nothing? <laughs> well, not really, but I guess I will. Um, Willem Dafoe stars as, what's his name, Diavolo. <laughs> uh, uh, a ex-Soviet Russian former KGB uh, agent who is like, oh, his mentor was Max Zorin. You remember him from View to a Kill? And I'm like, no, no. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> not, not really, guys. I mean, I, I do because it's um the one with what's-his-face. Um, oh, my God. Why can't... The guy in Batman Returns. Why can't they... Uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah, sure. I, I believe you. Yeah. Uh, um, But I... I generally don't like the Roger Moore Bonds and I've only seen a couple of them because and have not sought out more of them because they all suck. Um, that, uh, that's probably the one like I always say I uh, live and let die is the one to watch because it's like weird because it's got all really this weird black exploitation yeah. stuff in it. It's turbo racist, yes. Um, but just watching them try to navigate the landscape of cinema changing. But uh, View to a Kill, is it, you said View to a Kill, right? View to a Kill, yes. Yeah, might be one of the better ones actually. Okay. Well, just don't watch should... Moonraker. Moonraker's fucking dog shit. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I heard. Uh, but it's in that in that line. He uh, wants to use a bunch of nanobots using a poor that can only be found in New Orleans, <laughs> which exists only to have uh, half the game be set in New Orleans for some reason. To launch the missiles, capital T, capital M, uh, to hit the cities uh, with his nanobites. Uh, green melt everything goo from uh gi joe yeah the only it only melts metal is specifically the thing yeah from agent cody banks also okay. uh mo- movies nanobots big thing in the 2000s for doing fake james bond movies yeah uh but he's specifically doing it by reviving the Soviet nuclear bases that were under the Kremlin that you have to take over. And it's like doing a whole, this evil guy is going to take Russia, our new ally, back to communism and destroy the world. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, the brief period where being weird about Russia was like funny. Yes. Uh, it got dark real quickly again. Yeah. Um, there's just like, I mean, even Goldeneye is like this, like, you know, we were fighting the Soviets forever and everyone's used to it. And then they just kind of stopped. And then we turned them all into capitalists um, and they were kind of the good guys. But then, like, someone would do capitalism too well and turn evil. <laughs> but why does yes. this keep happening? <laughs> uh, and like, there are movies, you know, I should rewatch Goldeneye. When I last tried to watch it, I didn't like it. Um, and that was a decade ago. So I like, I imagine... Uh, that I would find it better now. I, I've seen Goldeneye, but like when I was younger, then I tried to rewatch it as a adult and thought it was boring. Um, so I should try again and for Queen it's and good. Country, James. <laughs> no, for you. It's good. Me, it's whatever. good. I love Goldeneye. Yeah, I imagine this time I would like it actually. Um, but this doesn't have any of the themes. Like, it, like it's not doing the like. What does it mean to have James Bond in a post-Soviet world? Uh, it's doing the. We've got a bunch of guys for you to shoot, and here's some like very short cutscenes to tide you over. Pierce Brosnan is sleepwalking. Uh, Willem Dafoe is here for some reason. You would, you would think with the cast they've got that it would have like more cinematic stuff, like video gamey stuff. Uh, 
but no, this is 2004. Uncharted is two years away. Uh, it feels like it is presaging a lot of the like change towards cinematic set piece based uh, third person shooter video game that will like come to dominate uh, the like console landscape over the next decade. Yes. Um, but it's also so clearly a game of 2004 uh, that it is absolutely like a foot in both of those worlds. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> um worth noting as we talk about this you played this when it was new ish right yes yeah yes as a child i um and i was spending the the years 2001 to 2006 basically buried in my handhelds because video games were washed except for handhelds this is the one this is the one time that we can flip our dynamic and i can be like this is how it used to be you kids with your fucking modern conveniences they're fine you go i don't know it was like i'd come up for air every once in a while to play a gamecube game right um (laughs) and then i like from nintendo and then i would disappear back because video games were over uh untrue so i really like this game i think this game is great uh especially in the first half i think the more of a shooter it becomes the worse it is uh but I think as a series of like various set pieces that you're going through, like the mission design is super varied, at least for the first two thirds of the game before it becomes a lot of bases. Uh, and it'll, you'll go through a little like five to ten minutes of shooting and you're in a car chase. Then you're in a helicopter chase where you where James Bond is fighting an alien with force fields for some reason. Then you're infiltrating a train. Then you're like walking into a club. Then you're doing a little like uh, infiltration in Peru. I think the like mission variation is like really good. There's a it's doing Uncharted stuff, but Uncharted doesn't have the variation this game does. This game is constantly throwing new set pieces and areas and levels at you. There's like 27 levels, and they're all in like radically different locations. Nah. Mm. Uh, and I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that stuff really holds up. I think it is a very impressive game. My thing, my thing with this is while there is a lot of maps, right? I that is true. Um, I think the moment to moment just never changes very much um you you hide behind co- is is a game about hiding behind cover and then meticulously taking down guys as they come out like you crawl forward a little bit more guys come out you take new cover you shoot the guys you move up forward to the next cover there's never the like the thing that the like gears of war in- introduces where like at one at some point you stop you you get everything read together you marshal your courage and you leap over the wall and you fuck some guys up at close range and this game immediately falls apart whenever you try that <laughs> You can do hand-to-hand combat. You can do hand-to-hand combat, but the lock-on, which drives all of the shooting, breaks the minute you get close to guys, basically. <laughs> I, I have done some close range, like, using the shotgun. At people. Because the way, it lock, the way the lock-on loses when you when the camera moves <laughs> is rough in this game. Um, and the, the one thing that surprised me, like, because um, I'd played Goldeneye, right? Like, I, Goldeneye is a game that I loved as a kid. I played it, the shit out of it. Um and you you played enough you got to the mission like the third mission where you're trying to find the doctor like dr doke is hidden in the scientist you got to walk up to him he's got to be like oh uh, here's the thing you need um is this game never has that sort of like james bond never infiltrates a party you know what happens in mission like three of nightfire you infiltrate a fucking party (laughs) you you walk in it's like put your guns away you need to go meet someone in the library and, and while you do you see a guy give a speech and you're walking around and there's all this incidental dialogue and stuff none of that and everything or nothing everything is like a huge action set piece all the time non-stop there's little bits of like you gotta like sneak into that club but there's no like big party scene no yeah there's just nothing where like part of james bond is navigating a social situation and there's nothing that even like tries to emulate that in here like there's like a stealth section which is different to me than what i'm discussing here um 
I'm discussing like the bit in like the the N64 uh, Mission Impossible game where you got to like do mission. That part, that's not a very, that's a very confusing game, at least when I played it back in the day. Um, a reference that everyone will get. Yeah, th that game's weird because it's got a lot of like, almost like Rainbow Six style, like a lot of mechanics, like way more mechanics than a game that is supposed to appeal to, you know, the average kid playing that in the fucking 90s, I guess. Um, I, have, I haven't revisited in a long time. I have no idea. But um, I just wish that like James Bond was like, there's so much Pierce Brosnan with a fucking machine gun in this game. And that's just not what James Bond is to me. I don't like when James Bond is going around blowing shit up and being an action man. Um, yeah, I mean, this is an extremely Commander Bond type game. Yes. <laughs> He's got, like, his main outfit isn't even a suit. It's, like, a tactical gear he's wearing. Yes. He's got his solid snake suit here. Yes. Um, so he does look a little ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and personally, this is, like, I'm a huge Bond fan. You're a pretty big Bond fan. Like, I have a lot of opinions about the, the character and, like, aura of the franchise James Bond. Um, and this is, like, a mode of Bondness that exists and was very, like... Die Another Day has a bunch of James Bond blowing shit up. It's a bad, it's a bad movie. Um, and it, it just never really works for me. Um, I much prefer it when he's just being like, like James Bond's main gun should be a fucking silenced pistol, not a fucking I machine was, gun. <laughs> I was using the silent pistol a lot. Yeah. I was still using Cause I, I really like the um, shooting in this game. I know you don't No, but I like the lock on. I like the little, like I got very, very good when I was a teenager at doing the little flick to get a headshot, especially yeah. when you're like locked on and it's still green, but like a little pixel of the heads up. Mm -hmm. So you like aim it, you take them out, you feel very cool every time. That's the like James Bond spy shit is the like, I think as a cover shooter, uh, it's really, really good. And because it doesn't have the like design impulses of uh, like Gears of War uh, or where cover shooting ended up going, I think that like the lock on based, like guys bobbing in and out uh, sequences like it is very stuff and pop but it's so much more like intentional about being a like choosing your moment stuff and pop game like whenever you have to do like real action game boss fights is when it falls apart oh yeah those to, are fucking dog shit have there's not a They're single one that's good always terrible but when there's like three guys and i'm like they think they can get me but they can't because i fucking james bomb bam like that i think really works um yeah i just fundamentally playing this game i was like is there a cover shooter i like and I couldn't really think of one. Like, there's games I like despite the fact they're cover shooters. Like, I like Uncharted. Um, one, three, and four. Um, and the the Lost Legacy or whatever is fine, too. Um, but none of it is because of the combat. In fact, it's often despite the fact that I don't like playing the shooter part that much. <laughs> Uh, I went the, I, because this was like a really early game for me when cover shooting became a thing I was always sad it didn't work like everything or nothing I couldn't do cool lock-ons I couldn't like uh, go into bullet time to make sure I can lock on to guys in the, you know rather than getting yeah. uh, flustered in the middle of combat and then I, um, I think the I think the level design is often like driven towards these battle set pieces in a way where like you have a grapple hook right like the repeller or whatever but mm -hmm. you only it's only like in really obvious places the level design is always meant to funnel you to a dead end where there's an obvious way up and then you grapple up and you move to the next thing uh when i went and played back and played nightfire nightfire is way more about exploring a space and you can grapple places you can like use zip lines places you can seek underground places there's there, it is a 90s shooter style here's a map there's multiple ways to your destination take whichever one you like there's a bunch of mission objectives that will take you one way or another you can do some of them or not it has the adaptive difficulty thing that like golden eye really started where the more difficult the game is the more things it asks you to do on every map um which this game has a little bit of too it's just not as much it's not as big as a focus that's also a first person game and just seems much more invested in that golden eye like very slow area exploration more than like battle set piece version of video games 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like I say, you can feel the the era change between yeah. those two games. Yeah, I mean, Redwood Shores uh, goes on to make fucking uh, Dead Space, and when I realized it was them to made, I was like, this makes a lot of sense to me, actually. <laughs> yes, I mean, Redwood Shores are like. They were real guys. They were. Yeah. There was. They made some fucking video games. Yeah. Visceral games were not no one. And you look yeah. at their like their uh, pedigree. You're like, damn, they're making the Tiger Woods games. They made those Lord of the Rings games everyone kind of liked. Uh, they made Nightfire through everything or nothing. I think they, they made From Russia with Love, Love, which is a game I genuinely yeah. want to play now. <laughs> I, I think it's in the um, uh, Everything or Nothing mold. Yeah, no, I know, but I still um, want to give it a shot because they made a fucking From Russia with Love third person shooter, and it's From Russia with Love, a game about Bond. Or the the movie is about Bond hanging out with a Soviet spy, like having a romance for fucking forty five minutes. Um, yeah, From Russia with Love is not necessarily uh, the game I would have chosen. Uh, the movie I would have chosen to be the uh, the Bond, you know. Yeah, and they just like the like it, you know they got like the the Con- it is Connery young Connery Bond as the Bond like they obviously didn't give him to voice him because it's fucking two thousand five but <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, here's the thing with everything and nothing is like they got the they got the you know guys who worked on James Bond like actually you know Bruce Fairstein if he actually works on wrote the movie wrote uh, one of the writers on Goldeneye. Um, had done James Bond stuff, done Tomorrow Never Dies, screenplay of Tomorrow Never Dies and the world is not enough. Um, it, it is slick. It is expensive. I just don't like what video games were in this era. It's like an era that I found very like off-putting from what I was used to, which was, you know, dominant console Japanese games. Like the mode was very slick Nintendo stuff and like square RPGs on the PS1. And then the minute... So- this genre this this era happens and all of the like western devs start making console games that are like the main mode because everyone's kind of weird about rpgs and they're not coming out as frequently i didn't have a ps2 that was also a problem um for me is uh all these western games are just weird they just feel weird and play weird compared to what i was used to and i didn't like any of them uh it takes eight button presses between every mission to save. Yes. I so counted. The mission ends and you get a load screen that kicks you back to a mission select that you don't even need because I'm just going to go to the next goddamn mission. And you have to select your file, uh, confirm that you selected your file. Uh, here's the name of this. Do you want to overwrite the file? Yes. Do you want to change the name while you overwrite it? No, I don't need to change the name. Why would I do that? I'm playing one fucking file. And we're going to confirm that and then we're going to do that. And then you got to hit back to go back to the menu. It's like, I cannot believe people put up with the save structures of video games in this era. It didn't used to be and like this and it wasn't like this afterwards, but right now it sucks. <laughs> and I was doing it and I was like, yeah, this is normal to me. Every, this is what the video games did. Like Tony Hawk was doing this. The FIFA games were doing this. Any, most video games I was playing, if you were like saving and loading, it would be like, okay, do you want to overwrite? Okay, do you want to rename the save? These were Why would you want to rename questions. the save? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I just accepted it as normal. And yeah. it wasn't every game. Like Halo had a normal checkpoint yes. system. You just loaded yes. it once and everything worked. And you know what? Halo, everyone fucking loves it. Everyone considers it one of the most polished games. Yeah. Know, I mean, maybe not Halo 2, but like that level of fit and finish polish in, in the checkpoint system is this like... yeah signifier of prestige i guess it is a thing when you think about like when you're like i was playing this game i was like yeah it was it was 2003 2004 i was playing wind waker and metroid prime and mario sunshine and the resident evil remake or what was out i didn't i hadn't i only had an xbox i basically didn't know about japan (laughs) yes 
which are which are still some of the most polished games you could possibly play. And Everything or Nothing is like normal for its era. I'm I'm not shitting on this game specifically, but when I think of this era of games, I'm like, yeah, I just didn't. I thought all these games were weird. Like I played uh, True Crime Streets of LA because I didn't have a PS2. I couldn't play GTA. Um, no, I played New York. I didn't play LA. I played New York. Um, and that game is also weird in this exact same way. And I put up with it, but it was like one of those games where I was like, this is just weirder than everything else I played. Um, it's just home to me. It's just normal. Yeah. I just like... Yes, when I think about the games I played as a kid, I do get a little sad that it took me till university to learn that I'm a JRPG sicko. Yes. I couldn't be a high school JRPG sicko. It would have changed my fucking life if I was playing, uh, you know, Final Fantasy in high school. I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I still have affection for this kind of thing. I think it's fine. I Like, the thing that, like, Uncharted takes from this game or not i don't know if it's inspired by this specifically but the the in my comparison when i look at them i look at this game and like it's doing so much more set pieces i think yes. it's a better game i think it's more interesting like in its moment to play uncharted has like one environment uh you know you've got jungle and you have the castles in jungle basically yeah, yeah. um and but what it does have is like the chapters seamlessly move into each yes. other. Yes, it does not take you out for a second. The cutscenes do a nice little fade, and the fade moves into gameplay, and the camera swings behind you. That is the thing it's missing. That's the like the the finishing piece on this mode of design becoming there, dominant. There are multiple parts in this game where you do you do an area like it's like four or five missions. You do the whole area and then you have the MI6 interlude where you go back to base and it's a cutscene where you talk to M and then you and Q go down an elevator and this is all like pre-render cutscene and then you go into the one environment they built for Q's lab in engine and because we're playing on Dolphin the discrepancy between in engine like everything is like beautiful and runs perfectly and the most compressed GameCube cinemas you've ever seen <laughs> is so profound and then Q's like here's the new car I built for you and here's what it does it blah 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 um, and then it goes back to the little cutscene and then that's the end of the mission that's the entire mission you didn't play anything it was just a cutscene mission because they had to separate the little loads out I'm like who would build a video game like this I'm this this makes sense but like this is uh like nine months before Half-Life 2 right yeah Um, and then this team like vis- Visceral Robert Shaw's in four years, I'm making Dead Space, yeah. where we're doing a Resident Evil. We're doing a Resident Evil Four, which is again after everything or nothing, uh, but it's also a Half Life Two in that it's all a single connected yes. silent protagonist. Yeah never cuts the camera everything is contextualized and you see where like this kind of cinematic design impulse becomes in the 360 era when it becomes like the dominant mode the one thing that is happening in console games and then the the problem with that is that memory constraints are so intense and that's probably the reason why this game is built the way it is is because weird you have to seek the area on the disc you gotta load the areas you know i understand um but on that like things became so difficult that you had to like start cutting all of the like fun little interactions because the game your your console just didn't have memory for it because you're busy building building the big set piece that seamlessly goes from one to the other. Um, yes. What was the game that was like, we had to take like in like the third of something there, like we had to change the reload animation because we didn't have memory for all the reloads we used to have in the first version of the video game. Oh, I don't remember this. Yeah. It was I'm like, like, it was like one of the big, like, fra- like triple, like the triple A shooter franchises. And they got to like a third game. And like, no, we just had to stop. We couldn't fit all the interactions we used to have. We had to cut them back. <laughs> Was it Halo 4, maybe? I know Halo it, 4 did a version of this. Yeah, I don't like, remember. Halo 4 looks so good that they had to strip out half the AI from Halo. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's the Halo thing! And they it's made the- they made one of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> yeah, they made Halo 4. A terrible game. Yeah. Say what you will about Halo 5, but it's better than Halo 4. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that stuff's just, like, weird to see. And, like, yeah, the, the thing with Half-Life and the thing with, like, 
Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2 is their fucking PC games, right? You, you get you get all the, the overhead that a PC has. And I understand why PC games all have all the options and why you have a quick save and you can always reload your save because you're fucking doing it really quickly, which doesn't work on a PS2 where you have to load a memory card, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's why the save system is how it is. Yeah. Um, all these things are just like, the PS2 was a console that was punching above its weight highly. Yes, yes. Um, th- so the thing about like the Uncharted of the world that this game, uh, has is the like big cinema set piece. Like this game has one where, uh, your girlfriend gets thrown out of a helicopter off a cliff and James Bond has to dive after her and like skydive catcher as you're like falling down this cliff and there's like guys shooting up at you and they're, all these things are breaking. Um, and it's very slick. Um, and in an uncharted version of this game, it would basically be one of those where someone on YouTube would show like, if you just set the controller down, you're going to catch her. There's nothing, there's like no actual video game here. And people be like, oh, that sucks. But let me tell you the difference is in everything or nothing. Um, if you don't basically do it perfectly, you're going to lose. You're going to hit a rock. You're going to get shot. You're not going to catch her in time. It's possible to just not catch her in time because you were too busy dodging the things that you weren't going straight down enough. Uh, and I did that sequence fucking like 10 times. And let me tell you, it loses a lot of its spectacle when you're doing the Bob and weave down a cliff multiple times in a row. <laughs> yeah, every time it does one of those set piece things, it's a real fucking video game. You better be playing the goddamn video game. Yeah. This game can get hard, uh, which I think is fine mostly but it does mean moments like that which should be cool uh like seamless set piece moments become annoying mini games yes they lose uh, a lot of their gusto at that point because james one everything or nothing is not a game about falling down a cliff dodging guys yeah that's a one that that is 90 seconds of the video game but it's well, 90 seconds of the video game you have to a, get very good at it's like the first couple times i failed and i was like is there like a way i can because he just dives down and all you can do is move left or right but if you move left or right it changes your airspeed it slows you down so you want to move as little as possible i was like is there the thing in every one of these movies where you can like tilt your head down and like arrow your body and go faster no it doesn't exist but there's no like prompts about the controls there's none of the stuff that like tutorializes the one-off mechanic that we're going to have um and while i complain about those in like the games of the generation after this it would be nice to have sometimes <laughs> um but 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 uh it's one of the coolest moments of the game you dive off the thing he's in the brown suit so he's not in this fucking combat jackets uh the like spectacle of the cliff going past this incre- i think this game often looks incredible uh i think it's very impressive i think these separate moments like i can't believe this was on a fucking ps2 it looks wild um, yeah, especially in moments like this and the truck chase are the big the big ones for me as like really really cool moments. Um, I know you didn't like the truck the, chase. I thought the truck chase was one. like a nothing. It, it sucks. Uh, so I here's think. the thing: half half of this game is. Uh, vehicle sections and they're yeah, in they're like great i love them they're in like the need for speed engine it's apparently the, the same engine used for need for speed porsche unleashed <laughs> from 2000 uh yes and they're made by a different team um and uh there's a lot of them and a lot of them are like car combat sections um or like motorcycle combat sections there's there's like one bit, a level that I liked where you're riding the motorcycle like through like this like town that's on like a cliffside and you're going through the streets. You have to get up on the roofs, but it ends with you having to like slide under a very low barrier. And the game basically told you the slide mechanic six missions ago and has never required you to use it. Because even that first time you could just go around the truck, it's like slide on the truck. And I just went around it because I could. <laughs> um and so, but you, you literally will die. It's like a hard check. Do you know the slide mechanics? I had to fucking look up the controls of the video game to know how the slide mechanic worked uh, because I'd never used it before because um, it doesn't give you a prompt of, oh, you need to slide. You're going to die. Remember the slide mechanic we taught you six missions ago? No, I don't. I promise you I do not. Um, 
And there's like there's vehicle sections where you're going around New Orleans and you're shooting guys with missiles. Um, if you hit any civilians uh, or civilians get caught in crossfire, they die, you lose. Um, there's no checkpointing in the entire map. And the map's like 20 minutes long because you got to drive around. You got to pull up to a base. You got to make a little robot car come out of your car and you send it into the base. and You blow it up like it's fucking Batman from 1989. And then you got to drive a lady back and you have one health bar and it never recovers. There's no way to recover it. And you're fighting tons of guys. And if any civilians get caught in the crossfire, it's game over. Miserable. Hated it. The armor system. The like you can find uh, like body armor as your health pack. Yeah. Uh, you instantly know why uh, regenerating health is not just like a smart design choice, but it is an inevitability that will be happening in five minutes. Yes. This is unworkable with health yes. packs. The game should not have, <laughs> this game should probably have recovering health. Um, and it should probably be a little easier. So, Cause so I think it, yeah. Here's the funny thing is there's a mission where James Bond like steals, or he steals the outfit of a rally car driver and gets in a rally car. And like, he has to beat the rally car race to get into the bat. He has to be invited to the guy's house for dinner. And the only way to do like that is to win the rally too car race. Too fast, too furious. Um, that mission aced it. No problems. Was in first place by the first lap. Had a great time rally racing because that's the thing I'm good at. <laughs> the minute you ask me to fire missiles from a car, I'm like, this is the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I, this is, it's foundational to me. I understand a little, like, you know, sometimes you just arguing with a 10 year old. Yes. Um, but, uh, I really like the car chases. I think they're great. I love the, uh, the truck chase. The idea that you wouldn't know how to slide the car, the, the bike is crazy to me because you can slide the bike. I'm always sliding the bike. The first thing you do is slide the bike. They say, hey, it's how to slide the bike. You're on like, the, on the, sliding so the bike's like, cool. So yeah, you're chasing a truck that's full of the nanomachines, right? They're going to set it yes. off. To, and you're on like a freeway, just a two late, like two, I like there are two raised elevated freeways, one going one's way and one going the other. And there's like one part where there's like a big jump. You can hit this weird ramp and land on the like oncoming traffic freeway. And I did that. And it got me like a bond moment, which are like, if you do something cool, there's like hidden objectives to get you these bond moments. They get you a better rating on the level. Um, but once you do that, the game doesn't react to you going on the other way. There's just cars coming at you and you drive, but there's no enemies. The enemies don't come over. It basically like breaks the AI of the level <laughs> when you do it. Um, and I was like, this is the shoddiest shit I've ever played. <laughs> Uh, look, it, it's it's fine. I, I, meanwhile, I'm like the the sunset with the city JPEG and the skybooks <laughs> in the background, and you're blowing up the truck, uh, and you're hitting the jumps and you're sliding under it. Uh, that set piece is fantastic to me. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, and so it's weird because like a lot of the um, car levels are like go across this map. The map is really. I never liked the map in this game. The map is weird and bad because the, the mini map is too zoomed in and like you can't fucking see where you're going. And then the big map takes up too much of the screen. So you can't fucking see where you're going in the whole you're, other direction. We're all playing this in CRTs that were tiny. Yeah, I know. Um, but um, I just wish the big map had more transparency to it is all I'm saying. Um, me and every fucking video game ever made. <laughs> that, was a, that, was a, um, that was a common complaint. And, um, like the, the, the nightfire, like big rocket, like car mission is like on a frozen lake, which is a huge arena and you're just blowing up a bunch of cars. It's none of this like highway chase, highly scripted, like mission stuff. And it just, it just doesn't work for me because the game is really punitive about like you do it right or you fail. And if you fail, you start the whole fucking thing over again. And I just had to do that every time I got in a car is I just, re I knew that meant I was replaying the mission five times and it's not long, but it just really robs it of joy when you just have to do it over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I do think, like, ultimately, if I was saying to someone playing this, I would recommend just playing it on easy. Playing on easy, 
uh, getting through the missions. Yeah, I played on normal. Um, and then uh, right around the time you go after you destroy Red Square, which we'll have to talk about because it's fucking incredible. Best mission in the game. Um, I put on infinite health for the rest of the video game because fuck all those guys with rockets. <laughs> Yeah, it just the the back stretch of the game is just completely bullshit for no re- again because this is how games used oh, yeah, to be. This, is every, they this didn't. is every game from this era that isn't like a story based video game. Is the back end the back section sucks, isn't balanced, and you're gonna eat shit. It's just like the strongest enemies firing the worst weapons <laughs> yes. constantly. Yeah, and you're like, why would you do this? This isn't how video games should be. This is what this is why I didn't finish video games back in the day. Yeah, I never finished it at the time, and. The thing that surprised me is I realized, like, because I, I remember playing the train, the, the, the highway chase back in the day the, on the bike. Yeah. Um, so I got out of New Orleans uh, and I remember, like, infiltrating the, the mansion. And so I must have stopped just around right after the rally car bits, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I don't know exactly because, again, it was like 20 years ago. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is not a nice thing to think about. But uh, I just realized that, like, I saw everything that was good about this game. I didn't see the Red Square stuff, but I wouldn't have appreciated that at the time, to be fair. No, no, no. That's yeah. that's funny for way more stupid. That's like hilarious communism reasons uh, that I would not have cared about back in the day. Um, but the it definitely runs out of interesting set pieces by that point when they start throwing a million rocket guys at you. Uh, the terrible Jaws boss fight. Uh, oh. The... the the big uh, Willem Dafoe boss fight is a helicopter fight. It's a hover jet, but that's a helicopter fight. Those are the same yes, thing. Yes. Those are the same thing. And you're like, man, but it's the like, 360 game has arrived. It's so dog shit because you are, you're like standing on a big elevator that's like going up and the 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 big hover, like the, the VTOL plane is like firing missiles at you and you're just firing missiles at it. But because you're in like this weird scaffolding, you, just your path to shoot the boss is blocked half the time by, by girders. It's the worst thing in the world. It's like the most bullshit final boss I've ever suffered through. <laughs> It's not actually the final, but there's a little bit after that when he inexplicably survives and you have to oh, go right. shoot another yes. missile at the, the, the big base and destroy the missiles. Oh, yes. Uh, very stupid. Just shoot the missile until it blows up with very little feedback <laughs> section. The whole final base sequence is very bad. I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to be like, yeah, yeah. oh, that bit's really good. Um, it runs out of steam, like many games did. Because um, even Uncharted, you're going to get blue guys. Uh, and... Uh, it's not until Uncharted 4 where they're like, okay, we're finally making it. So the end of the video game doesn't suck. Yeah. Took a long Revolutionary time. Revolutionary idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the expectation was, you know, you play the video game, you get to the back half, it's got to get harder and challenge you more. But if the game does, like, this is the thing that, like, these kind of cinematic games struggle with for this initial birth, right? Is that the game's rely on you completing them because they usually have a story that they want you to experience in a well-paced flow but that is antithetical to the older type of game design wisdom that suggests this is a skill you're practicing as you go along you will be facing bigger challenges i would say it's only like in the last 10 years that like the cinematic games just embrace like fuck it they don't doesn't need to get harder it can actually get easier at the end you know there's also Um, the intersecting ideas of we need to make sure the front half is really polished because that's what people are going to preview and what demos are going to do and the back half uh we want to make sure it's hard so you can't beat it in a single rental over a weekend and then not buy the video game that that is extremely this game yeah (laughs) that is this game to a t because the front half is like every five to ten minutes you're in a new location doing a new thing uh and then the entire back three hours of the game are metal environment shooting guys yes Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a ridiculous area where you you take you take over a tank and you're in Moscow and you go underneath the Kremlin uh, to defeat one of the nanobot machines like in the secret tunnels underneath the Kremlin and then you come out and you have to fire 
um, you get in one of the, the the rockets that has nanomachines. You have to fire the nanomachines at a big helicopter that's flying a giant statue of Willem Dafoe over Red Square. When it hits the helicopter, it drops the statue and collapses Red Square because Red Square is over all of these tunnels you just drove through. And so right in front of the Kremlin, there's just this giant crater where dozens of tanks are falling into it and explosions are happening in the snow. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I love it. Why was this not in a real James Bond movie? <laughs> If it was, it was called Goldeneye, but this is significantly more stupid. But yeah, they, 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 did not, they did not collapse Red Square and Goldeneye, unfortunately. <laughs> they got pretty close. This is not inaccurate to what happened in Goldeneye. <laughs> like, yeah, they did not have a giant statue of Willem Dafoe collapse Red Square to reveal the secret communist missile base's belief. Yeah, you are no. right. That would be a level of stupid There's, beyond There is a, there is a tank did. chase in St. Petersburg in that movie. Yes, correct. That yes. does happen. Which is, I'm saying, that's a, that's, that is on this scale this is absolutely on this scale they're just doing goldeneye but more stupid for the video game yes uh but there is something about the the scope of uh in a internationally famous monument is destroyed by james bond shenanigans i'm like james bond could stand to do this a little more i think <laughs> uh yeah he is a little limited james bond yeah uh he hasn't blown up a actual yeah james bond has not destroyed mount rushmore he should <laughs> James Bond like has a dirty pack. Yeah. Uh just going around to places, blowing them up. Look, it's better than what they're doing these days anyway, you know? Uh which is nothing. Well, yeah, that's true. There's nothing. A reality TV show. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I much prefer uh Nightfire's vision of this, which is just like that might as well be a Goldeneye like expansion pack. <laughs> Goldeneye fan game. Yes. <laughs> That's why people like it. Yeah. Yeah. Nightfire also a beloved game. I didn't mean to say that, like this game was inherently better than every uh, than Nightfire. Though I do prefer it more just because of my uh, uh, preferences. Yeah. Um, but Nightfire and Everything or Nothing are both very beloved games. Everyone yes. played the multiplayer for. Well, yeah. Nightfire. Every time uh, I was like watching a video because I was trying to see what people comments are, just people like, "Oh, these are the games of my childhood." And I was like, "Everyone's a baby." I was in high, I was graduating high school in two thousand four. <laughs> We're all 30 now. We're I know. We're all 30 now. I'm pushing Someone, 40, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Someone the other day was like, uh, all the Zoomers out there who were 11 when Wolfenstein came out. I was like, no one was 11 when Wolfenstein came out. And I was like, oh, no, they'd be 21 now. They'd be, if they were 11 when Wolfenstein, uh, the, the, the new Wolfensteins came out, yeah. they'd be 21. That's terrifying to me. You can't be 11 <laughs> when Wolfenstein came out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, I, I, while I didn't really like playing this, I thought it, I, you were right about why it was interesting. It does, yes. like, you just see, especially, like, putting it right up against Nightfire, which is a game that feels old. It feels like the old world. And this feels like the what games are going to be for the next forever <laughs> in some ways, even though it still has a lot of the cruft of what, like, the platforms it was on and what the scope of video games was at that moment um, is really fascinating. I just don't think this game gets, like, the historical credit it deserves as being, like, a two years before Uncharted, one of those. A bef two years before Gears of War cover shooter with such a uh, polished and competent sh shooting system. I know you don't really like it, but I think, like, the vision of it is very complete. The system does what they want it to do, and it works very well. Yeah. Uh, it's just that you just don't like that thing. You're like, I'd rather play a game about movement, please. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like... This is a game that's not been erased from history. People remember it, especially people like me. It sold very well. A lot of nostalgic people posting on YouTube comments about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that because it's a James Bond game, um, it has not had a legacy because you can't re-release it. No, it didn't come out on PC. There's basically no way to play it other than emulating it. It's never going to get re-released because the license goes to different people all the time. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the like 
at least GoldenEye has the this is one of the most classic video games ever pull to get re-releases. And even then it took 20 years and they cancelled one, right? Yes. Um, That's mostly on Nintendo, but yes. <laughs> yes, but like there are weird situations all around. I can't imagine that like EA and the Broccoli's and Amazon are going to have an agreement to re-release everything or nothing for the yeah. six people who want it to buy. That's yes. not going to happen. Um, but it is an important you know one of these games that i think deserves a higher mention when people talk about the like gears of war uncharted transition into this kind of design being dominant yeah um visceral games i guess rebel shore is just kind of like they are well liked but they were treated poorly by history they had it bad over there oh yeah uh, ea had a reputation for years for a reason uh, that's so true. Other other companies have stepped up to take the crown, but you know, EA was hated for this entire generation for just chewing through talented developers who make interesting games that they didn't support. Uh that's the yeah. That hasn't stopped. Yeah. Listed at the end of Visceral Games uh CV is cancelled Dante's Purgatory, the sequel to Dante's Inferno. Oh right! They <laughs> made Dante's Inferno. Well, they weren't all bangers. No, I did not play Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Um, I will not come on here and be the Dante's Inferno defender, as fun as that would be. Yeah. Uh, my love for trashy Western games only goes to 2004. Visceral Games, <laughs> the, creator, the creators of My Sims Kingdom. Ooh. Red was shorts to My Sims Kingdom? Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. I wonder if there's a cat in that. I, I've heard rumor. There's a lot of things in that, but one of them is a cat. Uh, man, look, it's a bunch of Sims 2 expansion. Yeah. The EA hitting on this list. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, they stopped doing the Tiger Woods games when the Tiger Woods games got bad. Okay. They got good again, to be fair. That's Tiger true. 12, what? Tiger 12, classic game. Yeah. Um, It was the... Uh, <laughs> there was a Jacob Geller video that was very good uh, about, like, uh, archiving and the need to archive every video game and, like... <laughs> The archival is important and keeping things is important, but also on some level, it's like this hubristic quest, like we're all going to die. The world's probably going to burn in a hundred years. Does it matter if we have all the ROMs? Where do we stand? You know, just like asking this discussion, not really a germane point to what I want to say, which is that as an example of one of the like games that don't necessarily matter, just offhandedly mentions Tiger 12, just like bringing one up. And I understand why you'd go to that pull. It's like they made a lot of those games. Oh, does anyone care about Tiger 12? And I was there in the comments day one, like, yes, they got it's the me. masters. It's important. It was the, <laughs> it was the, the big masters. one. <laughs> Tiger 12, we must preserve this. Yeah. And I laughed at how ridiculous that was. Uh, and it's true. I do genuinely believe that, that to be true. I love Tiger 12. Do you play the Simpsons game? That's also Redwood Shores. I did play the Simpsons game. It was, it was fine. There's no hit and run. But I bet hit, hit and run. That's another uh, Xbox era game that I love that I'm sure is terrible. To well, so everyone, to. everyone loved hit and run. And I didn't have a console that hit and run was on. But like I would play at their house. I was like, this thing, it's like crazy taxi, but it sucks. What, why, why do people care about this? <laughs> Uh, you drive around doing silly GTA shit in The Simpsons. I, also, I don't know. I also had seen maybe three episodes of The Simpsons in my life at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was you got to drive around. It was like the GTA for Springfield. It was yeah. the first open world Springfield. It looked, yeah. you know, people I enjoyed understand. that. Yeah. I remember there was a YouTube video from like the director or someone who was on at, at a Radical at the time was talking about how The Simpsons hit and run sequel fell apart and was just shocked. Like, like it just didn't happen like we had the design dog we were ready to go the game was like massively successful uh and it was something about the licenses didn't work out i assume it was vivendi yeah. stuff because vivendi was falling apart at the time but it was just like yeah for some reason they couldn't put it together to green light a sequel to our biggest hit uh never understand what that happening what a stupid industry <laughs> um 
yeah, the Simpsons game sounds fascinating when I think when I like because I've seen watch videos of like the story that game that game goes, uh, but it doesn't seem very fun to play. Like it seems fine, but it's like not. nothing that like in- interesting. But the part where we'll write is like trying to destroy the like the idea of the simpsons and they have to go to god to get him to stop him and uh matt groning's there and fucking bender and zoidberger there uh seems wild <laughs> yeah it's you, you don't need to play the game You've, it, it's more yes. that it does those things yes. it doesn't like do anything with those ideas yeah. it's just like oh it's doing the audacious meta thing and yeah. you're like okay thank you it's, i'm done with the simpsons game now <laughs> i'm just saying 2007 that stuff uh more interesting to me mm-hmm but uh, yeah, um, I don't know if I have that much else about everything or nothing. Uh, I was glad we played it, even if I was like, I think I gave it like three stars. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's fine. Yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I played Nightfire. It, made, it like really like helped draw boxes around what I value in like shooters specifically, uh, which is like a, a, an evolving target for me always. As like a genre, I was like not I didn't engage with it all until we started doing this podcast, basically. Yes. Um, um and I, I kind of want to play some of the other ones of these. Uh mm-hmm. I like I wanna I wanna play that for, for much of love, even if it is uh one of these, right? It's just too like I love From Much of Love. One of probably my favorite James Bond movie. Yeah. Um because it's like a normal spy story, mostly, mostly. Yeah. Um but this is like the, we put the jet back in the shooter. Like I don't, I don't know how you turn from Russia with love the like James Bond as sad spy, you know, thinking about his pointless war with the Soviet agent that he has like a camaraderie with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you make that into the video game from the Everything or Nothing guy. It doesn't line up to me. Uh, so I'm very curious what that would be like. Uh, also, for the record, uh, it doesn't really. It's not really germane to this um, game other than he's in it. John Cleese's Q is the biggest flop period of James Bond fucking hate it i hate the casting i don't like the vibe at all desmond llewellyn was fucking dying oh i know i know um but when they got the new guy they shouldn't have gotten john cleese is what i'm saying that's true well don't worry they changed that pretty quick yes yes and he was like the best part of the fucking uh the part the um why can't i think of his name i'm inviting i'm inviting uh ben wishaw to hang out with the alpha no hope and chadley oh uh, in, our, in our nightmare blood rotation yeah absolutely yeah the evil boy nightmare blood rotation oh <laughs> uh, he'll have to dye his hair white <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's in he's in coming to cross uh, cosplay is what's going on <laughs> ridiculous uh but i do yeah I, I should watch no time to die yeah and get annoyed about how cool of duty it is. I'll be like, oh, it's just like a video game. Yeah, there's things I liked about it. Um, it's just a weird fucking thing. Learning from this pain that Visceral Games did Army of Two, the Devil's Cartel. Is it more the- evil if Paddington Bear is there in the blunt rotation than real man Ben Wishaw? Yes. <laughs> But also, it does, it, the theme no longer. It's no. It's just, that's just like random. Well, people. if no you want to talk like, about uh, people who have uh, ascended in the world due to imperialism, Paddington Bear, right there. <laughs> yeah, but he's all the guys we're talking about are all like some kind of uh, weapons developer, CIA person who has risen up the ranks to like do something evil. Paddington Bear is just 
culturally <laughs> like product of uh, British imperial view worldviews that we're trying to rehabilitate and also critique. That hey, if you've not watched those paintings and bad movies, I've only seen the first one. We did it for Blockbusters. Uh very funny, very charming movie. Also ideologically crazy because yeah. the British <laughs> the relationship between Britain and Paddington and trying to like navigate that in 2014 bonkers man i should watch paddington too i bet it's we should watch paddington too. yeah i'm sure it's also very funny and charming but also secretly not even secretly, just like kind of evil because it's just the thing yeah. it's like talking about yeah. i imagine uh you know but good fun if <laughs> i would recommend paddington bear as a strong <laughs> strong you know uh indicator of the kind of bullshit we like in movies which is yeah. that they're fun they're short we like the people in them uh and they're also kind of evil and we talk about that yeah uh, is that it? I think that's it. Probably enough about Jason everything or nothing. <laughs> we got some questions, so let's Yeah, let's break. hit the music and we'll come back with questions.
If you would like to send questions, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. It can be about anything, not just the game we're covering any given month. We love random video game questions. In fact, here's a bunch of random video game questions now. Crystal writes in, what classic 20th century American song should Square Enix adapt into a Final Fantasy game? Now, the answer is any of them. So it's like, because like the, the combo of the Stand, Stand By Me and uh, the My Way thing is like blown off the doors on like getting <laughs> getting songs into these games. Stop writing new ones. Just put old songs in. I like this direction. Uh, they could they could stand to put what I've done. Let's <laughs> see. Um, this one is uh, for Crystal specifically, um, but it's a song I do like. It's uh, Take a Letter Maria, the 1969 uh, song by R.B. Greaves, uh, which is about a guy who learns that his wife is cheating on him and tells his secretary to write a letter to her that he's leaving her because of it. And then at the end, asks his secretary out in the course of the song. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know how you make that Final Fantasy game, but I think it's time for a Final Fantasy game about a guy cheating on his wife. They would never. I think that would, would kill never. the brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of all the things that Square could do to like piss off the audience the most. Oh, everyone, everyone about... is fucking uh, Tradcath posting about Eris and Tifa all the time. <laughs> they should do. They should, this is actually the what this is for some reason. Somehow they we found the place where a guy cheating on his wife is like narratively um, like subversive yeah. and shocking. Would be if a Final Fantasy guy cheated on his wife. Yeah, absolutely. They should do this. Um, <laughs> uh, they should put fucking uh, let it be in a fucking Final Fantasy game. Oh my god. You can't do that's illegal. <laughs> I'm like, you should get the Beatles in Final Fantasy. Why are you offended by that? What's offensive about that? Oh, I hate it. I hate it. What's so offensive about that? It's just, it's taken. You can't do that. Taken by who? End of Evangelion? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, Jasper writes in Tying games are back like they never left. You need to pick a oh, contemporary. You need to pick a contemporary movie or property that doesn't currently have a video game. Make a video game out of it. What's it look like? Who's the studio? Uh, the problem is contemporary movies are hard because we don't know any. Well, it said or property that currently doesn't have a video game. Um, so I do want to shout out the one that does have. I want to briefly uh, uh, tangent off this question to talk about. I think the video game that does exist that I really like, which is the John Wick video game. I knew you were going to say this. I knew in my heart you were going to say John Wick Hex because <laughs> I think John Wick Hex is really good, um, and it makes me so mad because everyone hates it, or like the audience hates it. Everyone, it is a really good mechanical adaptation of the ideas of John Wick because it's about like if. Your time is always paused. So it's like a turn-based game where you're always using all the tools around you to efficiently take out guys in like a little puzzle mode, which is exactly what John Wick does in those movies. If you want to be like John Wick, the the game has done it. It has mechanically adapted the language and ideas of John Wick in a way that is very successful. Uh, and every single John Wick fan hates it because they're not playing a third-person game shooting guys as John Wick. Yeah. They're like, what is this fucking bullshit? What is this isometric shit? And I'm mad about it. So yes, of course I was going to pivot off that to talk about that because I think it sucks. Sometimes the audience lets you down. Um, I'm going to say a thing that is like unhinged. I understand. You just got to walk with me for a second here. Okay. I think they should make a game based on the Resident Evil films. But it shouldn't be the Resident Evil team that does it. No. Um, it should be about Alice going around a big area, kicking guys in the head. You've got a team for it. In fact, it's called the Devil May Cry team. And you're going to basically end up wrapping back around and making a Devil May Cry, but in the world of Resident Evil. <laughs> And it should be called Resident Evil 4 somehow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I want CyberConnect 2 to make the Godzilla vs. Kong game. Oh, God. Incredible. Uh, famously, the, the Azura's Wrath guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, take their Naruto tie-in guys and put them on Godzilla vs. Kong. I, uh, I love it. This is good for me. Uh, incredible. Uh, Aiden writes in, I played this game a ton as a kid, still very fond of how it says it's very unlocked for different metals per level. Got to the final level as a kid, which was too hard and I never finished it. Um, but I replayed my favorite levels like the uh, Pontchartrain Bridge chase over and over again. Are there any level based games you stalled out right before the end, but kept playing the other parts? It would be quicker for me to list games I played as a childhood where this wasn't true. <laughs> this is how I played games. This is like, I didn't finish games because they got hard and bushed at the end and I just replayed my favorite levels. That's yeah, I, how I, I played think games. Of, I think of finishing games as like a thing that started happening to me around like the late SNES, early 64 era, um, which incidentally is when I started playing RPGs a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't playing. I was playing games like this. And so this always happened. And it, it made me understand why I was like that and why it wasn't like, not, it was still a bit weird. It was still people were still finishing video games, but I completely understand why I fell into this mode and yeah. why it was more common uh, yeah. for like PS2 games. Yeah. Um, this is me with like every era. NES game. Like I'd play, I'd play it, but I rarely finish them. Like I, I finished like Zelda and Mario, but like I wasn't out here finishing sh like Crash Test Dummies, which I rented over a weekend, right? Yeah, but like I was doing this with all the Crash Bandicoot games I had. Right, I would just play yeah. the early levels and fuck them out with them, and then I would not, I would never beat them. Yeah, like, gosh, no, I had warped and I never beat warped back in the day. Uh, and now I'm like, uh, if I'm going to play a game, I'm going to try to finish. I'll, I let games go all the time and don't finish them because I don't come back to them. But that's yeah. a different thing yeah. to like constantly replaying the earlier parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I um, I finished it, but like Shadows of the Empire for the 64 had like a really awful sewer level like deep in that I never liked. And it kind of freaked me out as a kid. I thought it was kind of scary. But I would play the Hoth level over and over again because you got to fucking, you know, play Hoth and tie up ATATs, And I thought it was sick. <laughs> yeah. But I do want to shout out Aiden for mentioning that the bridge level. Classic. Everyone loves the bridge yeah, level. Yeah, some people say that. Everyone loves it. It's one, it's one of the highlights of the game. Um, Bram writes in, in the style of Nightfire Goldeneye, what franchise that hasn't already been turned into one would make a fun arcade console FPS? Uh, their personal pick is Venture Bros, which I have no Mad experience Man. with, but I bet it'd be fine. Mad Men. Mad Men? Mad Men. <laughs> Does anyone, or do people shoot each other in Mad Men? No. Okay. Uh, but I think I think it'll still be fun. <laughs> I just want to have I want to listen to like okay, we've we've taken Madman, beloved, iconic and reverent property, and we we've now got to write like the box the uh Pete from Madman is saying when he shoots a guy all gets shot. What is what are, what are those box like? I want to see it. I want to take a shoot to take a crack at that. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I should play that Voyager shooter is what I should do. Oh, Elite Force? Yeah, yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah. Because um, I was like, Star Trek already has one of these. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek had a bunch of 90s games before. Like, Yeah, but I think that's the only shooter. Games. I think that might be the only shooter. There's two, Elite Force and Elite Force 2. But yeah, but like, you know, they didn't make like a TNG shooter, right? No, but Elite Force 2 is about Picard, not Voyager. Oh, okay. Weird. Voyager's back at that point. It's about Picard, Picard gathering together a team, an Elite Force. Oh, it's no. It's Picard's secret CIA. <laughs> Uh, he keeps doing this. Maybe someone should stop him. Uh, <laughs> someone should. Not yet, though. He's like, oh, I'm going to make a Picard movie now. And I'm like, you're 89 years old, Patrick. <laughs> I can't think of, I, can, I genuinely can't think of anything here. I'm having a hard time with it. 
because I'm like, I don't need like a Mission Impossible game. And it'd be, it wouldn't be the Mission Impossible game I wanted anyway. Um, Die Hard 3. <laughs> it's like, Die it's like Hard a big 3. open world sh- arcade shooter. But then when you get to locations, you have to solve fucking Professor Layton puzzles. That is that is what Die Hard Three the movie is. You know yes. what? They should make Die Hard. I'm gonna imagine this. Imagine this. It's E3. It doesn't exist anymore. But in the world where video games and E3s are still dominant in this alternate universe, coming out on stage, I'm coming out and I'm announcing uh, the AAA Die Hard with a Vengeance game that is a, like a super literal, hyper well animated fucking Die Hard game. Uh, and then like a big and a big puzzle pops up on screen, and it's Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson yelling at each other while you have to solve this puzzle. In a yeah, time you, you need to get you need to get five liters of water into the seven gallon liter or seven liter jug but you only have the three jugs and none of them are the right amount how do you do it the thing is die hard with a vengeance is a perfect film well it's not because they changed the ending but it's it, it generally speaking even for discounting that it is a perfect film to watch it is fun it is stupid uh and it should be taken from in all media <laughs> um Six writes in, unlikely as it seems, IO Interactive's Bond game they're working on is revealed to be an FMV adventure game. Even more unlikely, they're asking your help with casting. Who is your Bond, female lead, and villain? They cannot have been in any Bond film before. But besides that, anyone is available. Uh, play 007 Racing next time six. We will not be doing that. I don't think that game exists. Isn't there not? There's a Bond racing game, isn't there? Is that? Yeah. Oh, that's on the PS1. Okay, yeah. yeah. I does. Never mind. It does exist. This looks <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, yeah, I have no idea. It's also an EA game. They're they're the people who did uh they're they're known for their largely panned video game Ride to Hell Retribution. That's them? Yeah, but like 10 way before, obviously. Yeah, damn. Okay, well, I will not be playing 007 Racing. Sorry, 26. I also don't know anyone in Hollywood. Once again, anytime you ask us to cast people in a modern no, context, you can, you can do. Who do you want as James Bond? Aaron Paul. Why? Why? Why would you say this? <laughs> he's an FMV game. I want a really bad yeah. James Bond FMV game. He's too old I'll- now. But for a long time, what I really wanted was a James Bond about. Um, why can I not think? Colin Firth as like a James Bond who like was a spy in the sixties and basically like retired as the cold war went on and like, they stopped caring as much. They and made this movie. It's called Kingsman. It sucks. I, that's not what I want. Like the moody. I want like a much more moody, like character piece. I want Tinker Taylor soldier spy, but about retired spy, but it's played by Colin Firth. I don't I want, want the fucking Kingsman. I promise you. That's not what I'm talking about. I know, but I'm like the K- Kingsman. Colin Firth as an older James Bond. They did that. Unfortunately, it was a bad director doing it. Who is the real Agent Argyle? Will we ever know? I, I've never seen that. It looked bad. I was not going to watch that movie. Uh, everyone's referencing. Like, this happens occasionally where like a trailer will play before in the movies people are going to see. But because I'm not going to movies, I'm like, what yeah. are you all talking about? Who is yeah. the real Agent Argyle? What? Yeah, no this happened with Gran Turismo when everyone was posting, can, it, can someone truly go from Gamer to Racer for like six months? Yeah. God. Um... I'm just going to let you flounder. Why am I floundering? You have to answer the question. I did answer uh, well, the question. Who's, who's, who's the female lead? Who's the villain? Uh, uh, this is a more genuine answer, but I would like Adam Driver to play a Bond villain. I think he would Ooh, be he's a good choice. Uh, I think he would be a good kind of like, you know, he's, he could do it any time in the next 20 years. We'd have to shift a bit as he gets older. Yeah. But I think he would be a good like 
man in suits kind of buying a full of water through time gun. does it have to be a current actor N- no when anyone asks us casting questions no because we don't know modern actors uh, think i want i want toshiro mifune playing james bond well yeah no shit if you can have the coolest man who's ever been on screen i think he should be james bond i think he should be james bond because uh, Toshiro mifune is just the coolest man ever that's yes. just true yes it's also as cartoonish as me saying that i want tony chung to be james bond this is basically what you're doing here yes no i know i understand this but i'm just saying he would be cool as james bond <laughs> Willem defoe is james bond let's fucking go <laughs> just flipping it yeah <laughs> I want Julianne Moore as love interest. I just like her. I think she should be in more things. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I know she's a little older these days. Probably wouldn't be in it. But, you know, she's got a long career. You could pick Julianne Moore. I want, like, Hannibal-era Julianne Moore. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jen writes in. Had a great time. Plenty of Bond games. The way they, imply, uh, the way they implemented his Q-supply gadgetry always felt like a missed opportunity because the games often boil down to shooting a gallery. Uh, galleries. Most of your Q-kit is more the reskin than a typical weapon or a glorified lockpick. Um, obviously, IO Interactive is well-equipped to take this challenge, uh, but how would you implement fantastical gadgets in a Bond game? Um, I was really impressed with the way Nightfire brings back the GoldenEye laser watch as like a, you can use this to, I mean, it is a glorified lockpick, but it is like, there are multiple un like weldable, like grates that you can use to unlock. And I think that's neat. Here's the thing. Like I said, Bond for me is like infiltrating a party, driving a car, um, using a sounds pistol. I don't really think of the, the gadgets are when Bond movies are often annoying to me. Like he breaks out some cute shit. And I'm like, this is going to be, this is the worst part of the movie every single time. Uh, I agree. I, I'm, I generally, I, th- I think the gadgets in the Bond movies are bad and silly. Yeah. I liked them, I guess, as a kid, because obviously, you know, they're fun gadgets, right? Yes. Uh, but it's just not what I like about spy movies basically ever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I don't really think that, oh, how am I going to get fun, interesting gameplay mechanics out of gadgets? I want him like talking to guys. Yeah. I want him going out to parties and looking at the villain. Uh, I want him infiltrating a base and then coming face to face with someone and being like, ha this is the thing. You know, James Bond shit. Uh, it's weird how little the gadgets rank in that for me. Um, it's interesting because, like, I love the Desmond Llewellyn scenes. They're very funny. He just has such a warm, like, very fed up with his stupid son fatherly presence, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but then, like, when it switches to Ben Wishaw, I really like the way in which he is just part of, like, the support team that Bond has. Because he's not, like, he's not really providing gadgets in the same way. It's more like, if you need computer stuff because the world is run by computers, he's going to be the guy who's going to do that for you. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the fantastic scene where he's introduced, he's like, sometimes we need a guy with a gun to pull a trigger. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Man, hey, when bomb movies are good, they're yeah. cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brett writes in, uh, not easy to do with the IP holder looking over the dev soldier, but when it comes to movie games or licensed properties, do you prefer they try following the plot or just go wild with the license or setting? Well, I'd usually rather they do something like original within the property and go wild. Yeah, it's uh, weird because like, Goldeneye is one of my favorite things and it's just an it's just, like in terms of licensed property it's just an adaptation of the movie Goldeneye but uh, I also yeah. like X-Men Origins Wolverine the video game where you're just leaping 50 feet in the air and like cutting helicopters in half and go either way I just like the thing to be good I yeah. like it to, to be made by people with enough time and vision to make something interesting at least yes uh, which is but not too much time and vision that they start making Spider-Man 2 for 300 million dollars yes uh, like there's a point where you're like, they put so much resources into this that it's like so controlled, right? Yeah. 
um, and there's not enough space to like do something weird. Yep. Uh, Faden writes in, you're in charge of making a licensed game. What IP is it? What is the game like? Um, hmm. uh, it, well, it's, a, it's an RPG slash driving game set in the world of Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> Done, right make... itself. <laughs> I don't even need to tell you what the game is. You know what the game is. You got Persona school stuff uh, and then you race at night. The end. Uh, that would sell. That would actually, <laughs> if you made Persona out of Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would but like specifically, a good game. You are the kid who guy had to leave America because he'd done too much crime, and you took your 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 deadbeat dad in Japan took you in, and you had to go to Japanese high school the day you arrived. <laughs> it really is a Persona game. I yeah. hadn't put this together, but they are they do have exactly the same plots. Yeah. Uh, I I would like a good Transformers game. I've been wanting this for years. They just have never what done. What is it. the What is a good Transformers game to you? Uh, something that takes actual advantage of the drive, the fact that you can drive. Oh, okay. Because, um, like, those War for Cybertron games are just shooters, and when you turn into, like, a car, you're just turning into, like, a Warhog-style movable turret, basically. Mm. Um, but I would want, like, like a stealth game, because you can transform. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, like, blew up into uh, some kind of action RPG um, I don't know. It's hard because you're asking for three games. You're asking for like the shooting game, the fighting yeah. game, and the driving game. Like, it, like it's like, oh, this mode is like kind of hide and seek, stealth stuff. Then there's like a vehicle chase section, and then it turns into a character action game. <laughs> yeah, which is like, can I have three video games? And you know what? The um, Platinum one was close enough. I quite like that game. That one's fine. Uh, that doesn't it just kind of like gives up on the driving side. <laughs> yeah, doesn't care. It just uses them. It uses what it uses is the clearly based on the physics and mood for uh, Bayonetta's wolf form uh, in oh, two. Yeah, of course. They just took that code and they, they changed it a bit. But I'm like, oh, I see whether you got the bench from this because this game had no money. Um, Ritz writes in, what's the type of firearm slash weapon that you never use in a video game like this? In most games, including Night Fighter, I pretty much leave shotguns alone. I just don't care for them. Could not be me. <laughs> Could not be me. I'm the shotgun. I'm like sniper rifles. I never use sniper rifles. Um, um, I like sniper rifles in the right setting. Um, for me, it's usually grenades. I'm, I'm terrible about remembering they exist, basically. Now that couldn't be me. This, this is my Halo blood talking. Yeah. Always holding left trigger to throw grenades. The most natural thing in the world. Yeah, I just never think about it. Um, let's see. There's a long one from Joni here about growing up playing this game. There's a, a long one. It said, feel free to cut. So I'm going to cut a couple things. It's just like one of these were like, oh, I got to play this because it was rated T, um, which has never been a concern for me. I didn't grow up in a household that cared about this. Um, but I know it, it is a lot of people's life where like, oh, you couldn't play the M games. So you could play the T games. <laughs> We didn't like care about it at my house, but like I couldn't get GTA. Like the like the the eighteen. The difference is like here a lot of the M games would be fifteen, and a very few of them would be eighteen. So basically, we had were two M's. Anything up to fifteen was fine always. Like I could, I could always play Halo. That was mm. that was never a problem. Uh, but GTA and the like, this game's about fucking killing people in the streets. That was a little harder sell for my mom. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah. Uh, so basically the, the email is like, it seems like this could be part of general shift to media being more top heavy middle. It feels odd how random James Bond tie-ins were what kids were into and just one or two franchises that were the only social relevant games for middle school boys. Uh, the thing is kids love James Bond. They always have. And at least in America, they the air James Bond movies on TV all the time. Your, your dad is into James Bond. Maybe my dad wasn't, but like a lot of dads are in James Bond. They show their kids James Bond and there's a new James Bond in theaters every three years. Um, it was just like a well-oiled franchise like a generational franchise machine before the rest of film became only franchise machines <laughs> well when i was watching james bond as a kid like james bonds they weren't kids movies but they were kids movies right yeah yeah, yeah. Blockbusters like, for the family the, it's it's a, it's a movie a kid could watch and feel like they're watching an adult movie because people talk a lot and like you know it's not for kids but also dumb shit happens that is clearly for kids <laughs> and it's like an action movie and yeah. you know depending on which era and then obviously like they've aged the target audience is a little older now yeah um because i think for the craig stuff they're like trying to market themselves as this is like the artia blockbuster for mature adults um i don't think it's changed the movies that much but i do think it's like a presentational shift as marvel is taking in like the space that used to be like it's the big action movie that everyone watches and kids loved it when the guys blow up right which is how yes. i would consider the brosnan bonds um johnny also says because couldn't play m games when cod uh zombies was huge we created our own thing setting the ai to uh as intense a personality as possible and then trying to get a high score camping in the cabin in the bottom of the hill in the skyroll level i'm not even sure which I mean, game this email's about everything nothing and nightfire i don't know which level that is probably nightfire uh, would be my that's guess nightfire. that's yeah. nightfire in the, in the cabin with, yeah yeah um which is ridiculous. <laughs> this is very funny to me. This is like when me and my friends would have sleepovers and do 99 stock in uh, Smash. You should never do it. It takes forever. Uh, but we did. <laughs> this is when I like, I didn't have a GameCube. So when my friend came over, uh, we would play Digimon Rumble Arena 2, which is the Digimon Smash clone. Uh, because I didn't have Smash. This was not, we this all... was not Smash Melee. This was Smash 64, but yes. Uh, yes. Well, different eras, but yes. Yes. <laughs> um... Olivia then asks, what are your thoughts on IO Interactive's Bond game? Uh, they'll nail the globe-trotting aspects of Bond, but may encounter friction with the Hitman level of freedom versus refined Bond. Uh, do you think there's a better developer for Bond in 2024? No, actually. Uh, I think I, when I heard IO was doing this, I was like, this sounds great to me. I, I think I are perfect, but I also am like 100% convinced that that game is going to be way more of a traditional action game video game than yes. people are expecting. I don't think it's going to be that we put James Bond in Hitman. It's not going to have that kind of open design. It's going to be an Uncharted. I hope it's a little less of an Uncharted than an Uncharted. But yes, I do think it's going to be much more of a traditional video game. I actually think it's going to be really similar to Hitman Absolution. Not yes, all the, like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. <laughs> but they've already got like a game that like we have attempted to put the Hitman stuff and the like stealth mechanics and open thing in a more linear based story thing it just was the story fucking sucks and no one liked doing that to hitman i think uh, a decade on with io with the reputation they have it'll be better received doing that kind of pivots james bond but i do think it'll be a much more linear straightforward action game than hitman is yeah fair enough i'm expecting that as well i'm i'm looking forward to it i hope it's good um I, I hope it's good because I would like to play a good James Bond game. I also hope it's good because I don't want IO Interactive to go away. And if it's not good, they're fucking over. Yeah, they are donezo if if, uh, if this fails. Yeah. Um, which would be a shame. Yes. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm going to give it a shot. I hope it's good. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have like... I don't expect that like, we're going to do like, sa a s stealth sandbox for James Bond. They just don't think that yeah. would be the way they would do it. Yeah. 
my biggest concern is like, how the fuck do you do a James Bond story in a video game of like a modern video game where like doing proper storytelling, like post Last of Us style, we're doing like a cinematic video game. Yeah. Um, but for James Bond, I just, I, I just can't see that working at all. It seems like a weird character fit because so much of James Bond's appeal is like the charisma of an actor. <laughs> um, which you can kind of do in a video game, but not in the same way. It just doesn't, it just doesn't quite match up. It's just so uh lined up to like what i think of when i think of cinema to be like i don't know how you do that with james bond and i it's gonna be a game original bond right it's gonna be a completely separate thing yeah um it'll be troy baker <laughs> god i fucking hope not uh that indiana jones announcement made me laugh um i haven't actually watched it yet but yes it, it seems what, what about what about the clive guy what's he doing he could be james bond oh he could be james bond yeah um He'd be fine doing a voice actor yes. James Bond. I'd love to see him in a game with a better script. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just doing like cool guy things and not, and then also I must return to the. Uh, yes. Yeah, he'd be he'd be great. He's really good for like marketing your game as well. He's yes, out there. He's absolutely. out there. He's talking this shit up. Yeah, he'd be a good he'd be a good get to get for James Bond. I assume they've already cast James Bond and it won't be him. Yeah. Um, but uh, can't go wrong with Ben Starr. That'd be a good good pick. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Again, if you want to send emails at normalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Next month, uh, as we said, we're we're gearing up for uh, Rebirth happening, which means we have a month where we got got some time to kill. Um, and there was a new release that I was looking forward to. And Jackson was like, let's just do it. I didn't want to do two new releases in a row, but you were like, I'm doing the most indulgent Final Fantasy 13 series possible. So you should do the thing you're excited about. So we are going to be playing Ubisoft's new game, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. I was just like, I would feel so embarrassed if I was doing too much indulgent Final Fantasy bullshit for you to just not play a Prince of Persia game you've been excited for. So let's just do it. We'll make it up later in the year. We'll do some more interesting uh, things. Yep. Uh, but yeah, new release era. We're here. Yeah. We're talking about the new hot video games with Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, I played like two hours of this. Seems all right. Seems pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I am excited. I will be downloading it later. Like, yeah, it's a little more combat than I like, and I wish there was a little more platforming. Right now is my early take. <laughs> it's a combat. It's just like a character action game. I, I know. Like but every once in a while, you're like dodging like big spike traps and doing a bunch of jumps in a chain. I was like, man, when the game is this, it's the best. It's my. It's exactly what I want in the world. Uh, but they've done it. Ubisoft to put out a game we're interested in for the first time in 15 years. Uh, it can't have been 15 years. Okay, Assassin's Creed 2, 2009. Are we encountering any of the Raymans on this? Oh, I'm not. I I know this is like literally the, the Rayman people made this game. So, um, but no, I don't, I don't care about Rayman. I, the last, uh, the last Assassin's Creed game I was excited for was, um, origin. That was not, Maybe it didn't pan out. No, it didn't pan out at all, but <laughs> I'm looking list of Ubisoft games, 2010 to 2019. Can I find a single one that I'm like, yeah, that one. Uh, Red Seal 2. I guess Prince of Persia of the Forgotten Sands. That was in 2010. Oh, I, love, I love Prince of Persia of the Forgotten Sands. One, the one they... champion of the Forgotten Prince of Persia. That's not true. There are dozens of us. Uh, and then they did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in 2010 as well. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good game. Uh, okay, so 2010, we're still occasionally putting out some decent games in Ubisoft. Uh, 2011, uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which I do like, but I'm once past Assassin's Creed 2, I'm no longer counting Assassin's Creed as a game that's interesting enough. I didn't like Driver San Francisco, but a lot of people do, so I'm, I guess that one counts. Oh, Cool of Wire is the Cartel. I like that game inexplicably. Okay, well, um, I can't follow you down this road. No, I lied. Not the Cartel. I was thinking of Gunslinger. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I still can't uh, follow you down this road, but that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I just very just being very clear that I did not mean go far as the coach cut out. I meant gunslinger. Uh oh, it falls off when you get to the PS4. When you get the Far Cry 3 and then <laughs> many people are saying this about every every video game ever made. <laughs> oh, it's over. You're in Overtown. Yeah. Anyway. Uh goodbye everyone. Thanks for listening. No, what do you think? We got plugs and shit. We're not done. Oh, I thought we did them. No. Jackson, where do people find you? Find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. Find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore Bing. If you'd like to support our work, you can do that at patreon.com slash normalmapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching Gundam Double O and Rose of Versailles. Both have been pretty good to us, so uh, please check that out. For $5, you get Blockbusters, where you watch a big Hollywood movie every month. We recently watched uh, The Fugitive from 1993. That was pretty good. Um, I'm also playing Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm in Chapter 4. Uh, that comes out most weeks, uh, usually like about an hour uh, as I'm working on that game. Um, and for $10, you get VoIP Life, which is us goofing around, talking about random shit uh often movie or game related it's all over the place we recently did like our top game uh there was a free one which had our top games and movies of the year and some final fantasy talk um but then we did like our top 100 games of all time just like two months ago a month ago i don't know <laughs> stupid episode <laughs> uh which was, it was a great episode excuse you um please look forward to all those if you'd like uh as always share the podcast if you like it um we're not on like neither of us use co-host right now uh, i try to post on blue sky every once in a while but if you if you're on a social network and you like the episode please share it with people uh word of mouth is very important you can rate and review on itunes uh we don't do any of the thing where we read our reviews uh unfortunately or fortunately i can't really tell um but we don't do i haven't it. checked out itunes reviews no i don't i don't want to if someone says anything bad i feel bad i literally feel bad for days i don't want i can't do it to myself um yeah. <laughs> i have a delicate disposition you know i'm very <laughs> depressed anyway um oh i will say if prince of persia lost kind of that's the thing interesting to you um physical copies seemingly are already on sale for like 30 dollars. it's normally 50 dollars video game so maybe check that out uh don't pre-order the <laughs> digital version like i did <laughs> Wait, uh, is it doing badly? Is no one buying the Prince I don't, of Persia game? I, you just see the thing where like some retailers are like, oh, here's a copy for 30 bucks. I have no idea. I don't know if that has anything to do with the game sales, right? There's no way to tell in the way that retail works anymore. That's true. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I saw them around. I was like, well, shit, um, it's fine. Because my brother has a digital only PS5 and we have the thing where we're signed to each other's accounts so we can share games. So he gets to play it if he wants because I bought it digitally. So whatever. Mm-hmm um anyway that's it for us thank you so much for listening we'll be back next month me are you gonna have any is all this extra podcast gonna be before next month or no don't ask me that yet okay. it really depends on the recording schedules of people involved well okay uh, fair enough all no. i know is that i will i will have finished the video game and we'll be ready to record but whether we the episodes come out before okay. uh the end of the month i can't tell you okay well um, we're rapidly approaching the time where neither of us are allowed to talk about final fantasy until 17 comes out so please look forward to that uh until then goodbye goodbye mm-hmm.